previously on Ashes of the Order. Admiral's ship is almost repaired, but before our heroes leave Tofren, Temrinka gives her pupils their final test, to journey to a nearby forest virgins and prepare to build their own personal lightsabers. Admiral is reluctantly hired to drive them to the site. Hey, I'm I'm Derek. I'm playing a human smuggler slash gunslinger. His name is Admiral. Hi, I'm Colleen. I am playing Rockti. She is a Twilight mystic. I'm Amy. I'm playing Mahela Bell, a Tabruta, who is a Jedi Consular. Okay, so last time you guys were headed off to the cave in the speeder that Admiral was driving for you. Mm -hmm. Since it's a new session, though, we're going to need some force points, or destiny points. Uh, yes. Forces of destiny. White. Each player rolls one white die. That's right, that's right. No. Two black. Oh, oh damn. Oh, God. That's all Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Two white. Two white. Two balanced out. Oh, I'm light side oh, today. One today. light side. Well, for now. But I've got two. Dark you guys have three. Side. Something, something, dark side. Something, something, side. something complete. complete. <laughs> Um, so that's that's nice. That's that's nice. Clankus. 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 The cave is approximately twenty minutes away by speeder over bumpy terrain and a clear-cut forest. You see the cave as a black rent in the beige rock below a dead tree's gnarled roots. So you would be helping direct him towards that obvious landmark once you see it. Still kind of sensing the the force signature that Temurka guided you towards. Right, I'm forcing through you, being like this is the direction to go. Or you could just point. No, 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 I'm forcing three. I don't think you understand rock tea. <laughs> no, I don't. So now at the entrance to the cave, uh, past the mouth of the cave, a natural tunnel bores down into the rock for as far as your eyes can see. The cave is below a giant dead tree in the rock wall. As far as you can see down, it's just darkness. And the light source is with you? I mean, uh, Lahela doesn't have a lightsaber anymore, but Brock T still did. I do. Lahela will once again. No, Lahela stole my lightsaber. I did, yeah, she gave it to me, that's right. <laughs> she has the lightsaber. Because she's not very because good with it? With it's mine. It to me. Yes, that's right. Well, it's, it's yes. not yours. No, that was a blue one too, right? You both have blue ones. Yeah. Green. Mine's green. But you lost yours. Right, yours yours green. Yeah, so yours okay. is blue. Yes, okay. okay, it's a blue one. Okay. So yeah, once the speeder comes to stop, um, Lahela will get out, and yeah, definitely... Uh, light the saber and hold it above her to try to see anything around her. I have night vision. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she'll she'll turn to Admiral and uh, thank you very much for bringing us to, to the cave. You can wait here. Mm. Lahela, we must hurry. It's I feel waves. I'm, I'm walking into the cave. Okay. Lahela will follow close behind her. The lightsaber is still above her head because I do not believe that I have dark vision. And are you going to listen? <laughs> Wow, I don't really feel like I want to go in there, so I'll probably pull out some utensils to start cleaning my blaster. Okay, so Admiral stays back, and then you two wander into the cave. It's basically just like a rounded tunnel, not too not too much bigger than you guys are. Like that. Not a lot of room to move, so you're kind of going out single file. It takes several minutes at a steady pace to reach the end of the tunnel, where it flattens out and opens into a large chamber. As you step into the chamber, the room itself seems to sense your presence as bioluminescent crystalline moss awakens softly, cutting the darkness with a gentle glow and a myriad of colors mostly shades of green and blue, but you notice isolated bursts of orange, yellow, purple, and red in various spots around the room. The glow is not jarring to your eyes after the long, dark tunnel. There is a gentle warmth to it, and despite its low energy, it does manage to illuminate the chamber and show you what lies within. The chamber is about 12 feet tall and appears to be a naturally occurring structure, perhaps hollowed out by water over time in the planet's adolescence. 
It feels ancient, even without the force to tell you. But you know you are not the first to discover this mysterious place. There are three structures here, and they cannot be entirely natural formations. Closest to you are two obelisks, hexagonal and nearly as tall as the chamber itself, and a few feet wide. They appear to be made of different materials. The right is made of a black stone like obsidian or onyx, the left of a white stone like marble or even pearl. The obelisks offset the main feature of the chamber, a vast piece of grey crystal. You cannot fully tell what shape it is, for it is still buried in the stone around you. From what you can see of it, the crystal is a pyramid laying on its side, the tallest point jutting up towards you. I'm gonna go and touch the point, and I touch the point. Yeah. Rakshi is going to go forward and um, try and fiddle with the, the middle one. Um, as you approach it, it starts to light up a little bit inside, almost as if sensing the presence of a force user. Though it like, doesn't really do anything else, it just kind of starts to glow internally, and it's not like it's all like entirely lit up like a giant mm-hmm. beacon or anything. It's just illuminated a little bit from within, like a 5% glow. Is there a hum? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for you, actually. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in your like your four sense, like it's nice hum coming from it, reverberating from the crystal. And actually, as you touch it, it does feel slightly warm to your touch. I'm gonna put my face to it and try and listen to the humming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it adds up. It's like <laughs> it's like kind of like a conch shell. She did say she heard waves. Uh, yeah. You did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you, you put your ear to the stone. Stroking it lovingly. <laughs> and that sound kind of intensifies a little bit. You don't, there's not really any pattern to it. It's just kind of like the resonant hum of the universe, mm-hmm. essentially. You might have sensed it at other times before, but never quite this intense. Like maybe mm-hmm. this reminds you of like one of the gardens in the, in the temple on mm-hmm. Coruscant. Um, like that kind of like highly concentrated force. You hear the humming of, of the celestial spheres, mm-hmm. essentially. But it doesn't really change anything in the room. I would definitely say that, like, I'm mesmerized by it. So, like, I'll start humming what I'm hearing. Lahela's not hearing the humming, but I'm now humming what I'm hearing while pressed up against this glowing crystal. Caressing it. Caressing it. <laughs> okay, so Lahela. <laughs> so Lahela was, like, kind of watching to see what she was doing, kind of interested. And then as soon as Rokti started humming, she's heard this before. This She does this in her sleep. She does this when she picks flowers. She does this when she makes her tea. Like, this is not something abnormal for Lahela to visualize Rokti doing. Although it feels a bit more like she's more in tune with her own self. Like, Lahela will feel like that within her. After she kind of, like, looks at her and, like, does, like, a little head shake, being like, oh, here she goes. There's some kind of force magic happening in there with with Rokti. Surprise, surprise. She'll like hold the lightsaber above her head and kind of like circle the room to keep looking. And she'll be drawn to the um, bioluminescent like different mosses. She'll just kind of go over to start inspecting some of those. Admiral, it's been about a minute or two since the Jedi disappeared into the tunnel. You hear, it's hard to describe the voice you hear and you've never heard before, you know, like, you know that, but it says a phrase to you that you have not heard since before you took on the name of Admiral, because Mm -hmm. Admiral is not your name. This thing calls to you in your true name, Mm -hmm. or the name given to you at birth. You're not a Jedi, you've never touched the Force or anything like that, but you know it came from the the cave. Interesting. Admiral would ready his blaster and be very wary and slowly kind of walk into the cave, assuming he would have some kind of light source on him that he would kind of hold in front of him. Glow stick, essentially. Glow stick like, some sort of, like military yeah. glow stick. Things. Yeah, something like that. You head down the same tunnel. Mm-hmm. It would be the exact same thing that the Jedi saw. Again, it takes several minutes to kind of pace down the stairs and mm-hmm. as, you open, as you come to this chamber, the first thing you see is Rokti <laughs> <laughs> touching the crystal and humming. <laughs> 
Layla, what what is that crystal done to Rogue T? Layla. That's what I said. <laughs> Don't worry about her. She just she gets very in tune with the forest sometimes. This this place we were sent here by our master to find something hidden within here within the forest. We're trying to figure something out for our master. I told you to wait by your speeder. Why are you here? I heard something. Probably Lahela humming. That's not surprising. Go back out there. Something said my name. Well, maybe you thought it was in the hum. I don't know what to say to you about that, but this is this is part of our training initiation. We're trying to get the title of knights here. We're not trying to be Padawan anymore, and you're going to ruin our training. But I have to figure out what this is. No one should know my name. Lahela, do you hear the humming? Yes, Rokti, I hear the humming. Are you listening? I'm listening very closely. What is wrong with her? <laughs> She's very in tune with the Force. She's probably more powerful than the entire Jedi Council put together if she would allow herself to be. Make her stop. I'm not going to make her stop. This is probably part of her training. I'm sure this is what our master meant to happen. You being here is going to disrupt her, and that can't Admiral, happen. do you hear the humming? No. <laughs> you need to listen closer. I hear nothing. <laughs> Rokti, proximity to the mass of crystal, um, although you're conversing with the others, this proximity is starting to wear upon you. Uh, it's starting to weigh you down, pressing upon your consciousness as though there was a weight on your chest. The broom begins to swirl around you. Oh no. Lahela? La I'm, I'm, I'm slipping. Lahela will run up from where she was. She had stepped a bit closer to talk to Admiral, but she wasn't right next to us. So run up to her and like grab onto her shoulders. Rokti, what's happening? There's, there's so much here. What do you mean? So much in the force? Lahela, I can't! Rokti is the first to see darkness overtake her vision. It billows around you, Rokti, cutting out the light from the crystalline moss, and for a short moment, you know only oblivion. Rokti kind of collapses into your arms, Lahela, um, and before you guys can even start to discuss what's going on, you start to feel the same sort of... It's like black clouds are creeping in on the edges of your vision. Even for you, Admiral, this isn't like just a Jedi touching the Force thing. Yeah, Lahela will grasp onto Rokti as she collapses into her feather and then look at Admiral like almost desperately for help. And Admiral will look, will look confused and try to take a step forward towards them. And then similarly, you lose awareness of the physical world. You don't feel your bodies hit the floor. We are into Force vision time. Oh god. So here's the way this is gonna work. You are Luke Skywalker and you've just walked into the Dark Side Cave on Dagobah. <laughs> the Force is going to show your character a short vision, and then afterwards you're gonna have a chance to influence this yourself. What we go through here is going to kind of determine the sort of thing that you guys get at the end of this. Rook T. You see a swamp through a dark haze and hear a cacophony of unfamiliar insects from all directions. All of the flora and fauna that, that you can discern are strange, alien, foreign. This is certainly not one of the handful of planets you have visited in your lifetime. Have you even read about such a place? Maybe you have heard of this place, you think, as you see the vague silhouette of a humanoid being stand up from the foliage ahead, where they had been crouching in shadow. You recall brief studies of Temrin Ka's homeworld, Dathomir, a place she barely knows, and of which you know even less. She was dismissive whenever her birthplace was mentioned, avoiding a sore topic. But then again, doesn't Dathomir have a red sky? Shouldn't this scene be cast in blood-crimson light? You catch a glimpse of the figure's true form, but it is only a glimpse of pale skin. They are wearing black robes and fiddling with some small items with both hands. You hear the faintest whisper of their voice, enough to tell they're reciting an incantation, and suddenly the force sparks to life in glowing bands of red light, which spiral around the figure's forearms. The dark side is powerful here. Is this person engaged in some arcane ritual? 
You've heard of the Night Sisters' sinister rites, but never seen one in person. Either way, this is not normal practice for light side forest users. The dark side ripples off of the unidentifiable figure, the glow intensifying and casting monstrous shadows across the swamp. The insect chorus falls silent instantly. The sensation is overwhelming to your already overstimulated consciousness. The figure raises their glowing arms to the sky, and your vision fades away again. You are senseless for a moment, and when your mind's eye opens again, what do you see? My mother. Out of this kind of unsensing void, the, fa the familiar form of your mother appears. Um, I'm assuming that she would look very much like you, um, and for a moment you just see her in the void. Tell us a little bit about your life before the Jedi Order. So, it was very recognizable from an early age that I was Force-sensitive. I would just know things about people or what was going to happen about someone's conversation or things like that. I would just know things. Um, I would get easily overwhelmed. We were in a very like small village, so we didn't have a lot, but it was just me and my mother, and we were living okay until all the other like consciousness kind of all of the force of all of the people was weighing on me that I was starting to lose control and, and kind of become like a zombie like I was just going like crazy that my mother took us away and secluded us in this like remote area that was quite a distance away from the village so that it was just us and for a couple of years it was just me and my mother and we were living like fending for ourselves and stuff like that like we didn't have contact with anyone outside and so she really became like so important to me more than just like my mom but as i grew older my f the force was weighing heavily on me and it was affecting me more and more and in turn her i don't remember what happened but there was an incident and then i remember that a jedi showed up and my mother handed me over to them okay you're what was it seven when you were taken was it it was slightly older than that. How old are you now? Because it was ten. It's been ten years since you were taken. Uh, I'm eighteen. So you're eight. Eight, eight years old. Eight. Okay. So your mother's form appears to you in the void, and it brings with it, with it this memory or this flood of memories of the first eight years of your life. All that stuff you just described that kind of flashes before your consciousness in an instant, and it's again you're you are already overwhelmed by the force in this room. <laughs> And having that rush of your most intimate memories has to be just devastating in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Just a roller coaster of emotions, I'm sure. And a scene from your memory starts to form around this image of your mother. And she's coming into your room. It's first thing in the morning. It's, 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 your, it's your bedroom in your childhood home. She's waking you from sleep, saying, there's someone here to see you. Something's really, really important. Rokti, dear, there, there's... And this memory's kind of garbled. There are names popping in and out. You're not quite catching everything that mm -hmm. was actually said. Um, and Rokti, dear, from the village is here. They, they, they need something from you. They, they need your guidance. And she's trying to shake you awake, but you just, you're eight years old. You're temperamental. Like, you don't want to be woken up on this particular morning. How do you respond? Oh, mother, please. It's so much. I'm, I'm just going to sleep a little bit more. And, and she goes on about how urgent it is. And, like, you notice there's blood on her hands. Like, she's been trying to triage these people, whatever was going on with them. Oh, God. <laughs> How would be shocking? Yes. Um, <laughs> mother, what, what, what's on your hands? What, what's happening? There was an accident at the mine, and they need you to try something you've never tried before. We, like, really need you to, to, to just dig deeper than you ever. Like, you need to give everything for these people today. They're they're going to die. But, but you said it was dangerous. And this is where the memory starts to seem off. This isn't how it went down. Your mother would not have been pushing you this hard mm. to do this, as you said. She used to. To warn you against trying too hard or leaning too hard into it and um 
the room kind of darkens like that. That first glimpse of morning light is, is getting dampened down a little bit behind her. And she's just shaking and like trying to rouse you, trying to pull you out of the bed. Um, and her face is turning sinister. Part of you knows this isn't right. Mother, you're, you're scaring me. Um, and her voice kind of turns. This is not your mother's voice anymore. You need to get up now. Give everything you have for these people. She rocks you just like in shock and not understanding what's going on or what to do. Like to be a stranger. She would, I guess, would start struggling, trying to like get away. Okay. Um, as your physical body is doing this, the force is also coming instinctively to you as it did so often in your childhood. Um, whenever the people came to the came to you for advice, the force would move through you and you would know what to tell them. You earned this reputation for being really wise for your years. But in this case, in this dream fugue state, it's different. The frustration and the fear of being woken to the situation and this insistence from this version of your mother, it's all weighing upon you. And based off of that last vision you just saw, it's the dark side force that's going through you right now. It wells up and you can't control what happens as the force just explodes out of you. And this vision of your childhood bedroom is just eradicated. Everything gets blown away to dust. Like, I just imagined, like, everything and, like, my mother just, like, disintegrating into dust and blowing away. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just alone in a void. Lahela. Oh, hello there. <laughs> After you have passed out in the crystal chamber with the others, you know nothing for a few moments in a similar fashion to, to Rokti. And then you stand in an arena on a dusty, sun-blasted planet, which you quickly recognize as Geonosis. Oh, yeah. All hell has broken loose. The largest army of Jedi to have assembled in millennia squares off against an uncountable horde of Geonosians. A handful of wild beasts runs rampant through the battlefield, attacking both factions. Nearby, you see a familiar face, Master Mace Windu. He is engaged with a figure in full Mandalorian armor, whose head he unceremoniously severs from his neck. A boy watches in horror nearby, calling out his father's name and running forward to catch the bouncing helmet. Windu strides away to his next challenge. You see also your own master, Temran Ka. You remember the scene from a hollow vid. She had received an emergency summons to Geonosis, but had refused to take her Padawans. When she returned from the slaughter, she vehemently abstained from serving in the Clone Wars. But in the moment when the war began, she is a whirling dervish of death cutting down a dozen Geonosians with a flurry of lightsaber strikes. She pauses afterward, looking at the bodies strewn around her in horror. And then, an acolyte pounces upon her from behind. It tosses her around like a rag doll. Mace Windu nearby is hit with a burst of wicked blue lightning. He arrives in agony, trying to turn the dark side attack aside with his purple lightsaber, but he fails and falls into a smoking ruin upon the arena floor. The other Jedi are being similarly overwhelmed by Geonosians, shot down by blaster fire, even cut down by their friends and allies. You feel as though you are there with them, in the gateway near the grieving boy. You feel the weight of a lightsaber in your hand. See the humming blades snap to life. You feel compelled to run toward the Jedi to save them. You feel your legs running, taking long strides, then sprinting as fast as you can, until your montails are slapping against your face and shoulders, but the faster you run, the farther the arena gets. You are helpless to interfere in the slaughter of the Jedi, to participate in the Order's final stand, and you watch the scene burn away to ash, and for a moment, you are back in the void. You feel nothing for a few moments except the horror of the scene you have just witnessed. And then, what do you see? Oh, we so see Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker was also there in the arena in the Geonosis, and everything fades away to black except for, for him. The Jedi army washes away, all cut down by, by enemies and by allies alike, but the one person left standing is Anakin Skywalker, and he changes before your eyes, subtly. It's a small thing. He gains the scar on his eye, his iconic scar, and he, his hair grows out a little bit, and 
there is a different look in his eyes than that day in the arena when you saw him on the hollow vids um, at the outbreak of the Clone Wars. In fact, you don't like you don't even see his eyes at all in this particular vision, and it's just you and him in the void. So I'll definitely run up to him like frantic and freaking out, not not knowing what's happening. Master Skywalker, Master Skywalker, I'm so sorry. I tried to help. I wanted to help. Can't save them now. Well, what can I do? There must be something more I can do now. They're all gone, and rightfully so. Who? The Genosians? All of them. Well, I know this history, and they didn't all get wiped out. We we just, we, we, the war started, but they didn't get wiped out. What are you talking about? No, Master Windu is dead. He's not dead. This isn't real. This is, this is like a hollow, but in my mind. Master Windu had to die. He's not dead, Master Skywalker. He had to die so they could live. You have to tell me what I can do to keep helping. I can't help you now. There's only two people I care to help. And you, you lowly scum, are not worthy of my assistance. And his eyes start to appear towards you. And they're not the eyes you recognize. These are not the eyes you looked upon a few weeks ago when he rescued you outside the tower. Uh, His eyes are yellow. So I'll definitely kind of like take a step back and look a little bit surprised. Master Skywalker? A lightsaber ignites in his hand, um, but it's not, it's not blue. So she'll, she'll look at it and she felt from earlier the weight of a lightsaber in her hand and she will light it. And you'll find it's there. Yeah, it's still there. As you, it's good that you do, because as you do that, his blade swings out towards you. I will definitely go towards blocking, and I'm going to have a force fight with Anakin Skywalker right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we can do this. We can do yes! this. <laughs> Roll initiative! <laughs> Your blades clash against each other a few times. You break, naturally, and there's a moment where you stare each other down, and then you strike. So we've got ourselves a lot of good things. Oh, shit. Four successes and a triumph. Your attack finds home. Uh, it finds purchase. And you actually, you sever his left hand. You know enough about how the Clone Wars started to know that he lost his hand after this scene in on the arena in Geonosis. Like, you know that you've just cleft, cleft his good hand. Um, actually, he drops his saber because of it. <laughs> you have to be holding it more on that hand. It skitters to the ground at his feet. However, this is a, a vision. And... Uh, Normal rules don't apply. He summons it back to his hand quickly to his robotic right hand and he swings now. It's he counterattacks. You see that horrible raid in his eyes, in his yellow eyes as he strikes at you. I did six force vision damage to him through his arm. Uh, two successes and six advantage. Why don't you describe to me how it feels like when Anakin Skywalker cuts you down? It it flashes before my eyes in like what feels like an eternity, but obviously was barely even a second, as like I'll watch and feel all the hate that there could possibly be in the universe within my own self. And I'll fall. And you don't actually die, you just kind of return to the void. Hey everybody, Chris here, just hopping at the halfway point. Hope you're enjoying the first episode of Ashes of the Order for 2020, and the penultimate episode of Part 1. That's right, Part 1 will be wrapping up in three weeks on February 6th, a day early or so. And uh, as we approach the end of the first leg of these characters' journey, um, it was a lot of fun to get deep down into their hearts and backstories and really explore what's going on for the first real time. Hope you're enjoying the episode as well. And uh, from here on out, it's going to get even more exciting and intense. If you've been uh, following all the clues to events of the movies and the Clone Wars, I think you might have an idea of where we're heading in the next episode and a half. You definitely will by the end of this episode. (laughs) That's all I'll say for now.
as we approach the end of part one, uh, now is a great time to recommend this the show to your friends uh, and fellow Star Wars fans who aren't already listening. Word of mouth is a great way to help out smaller podcasts like us, and every like or share or every personal recommendation goes a long way for us. And we really appreciate all of you around the world who are engaging with the show. With the end of part one coming up, it's a great point to hop on as we conclude this leg of the journey. We'll also be doing a short recap episode the week before part two begins. Should be another great starting point. So now is a great time to spread the word. Speaking of spreading the word and appreciation, I want to give a special shout out to Ryan Bullock on Twitter. Ryan is a positive beacon on Twitter these days, and uh, every week he's kind of to include us in his Follow Friday lists of other great Star Wars podcasts. So cheers and thanks, Ryan. Don't forget to join us next week for a brand new Quarter Portion podcast as we continue to discuss Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. We are hopefully going to have a... Uh, a few extra guests joining Pat and myself to further discuss the new movie and uh, be sure to check it out next Friday. So I'll stop yammering now and let's get back to the episode. Enjoy. You got killed by Anakin. You got killed by Anakin. <laughs> I took off his other arm. Admiral, you have never felt the touch of the Force before, and your visions are perhaps less realized than what your acquaintances are going through. You are certainly less experienced with this sort of sensory stimulation, and you think you surely must be hallucinating. Maybe there was something in the air down in that cave. Either way, you see fleeting glimpses of your military training. Your vision is obscured, and you see your cohorts only as faceless humanoids or as figures in featureless armor. Nothing about them is unique. You feel pangs of varying emotions as scenes from those days pass by your mind's eye. First, a sense of companionship and brotherly love which sours to frustration and distaste to outright contempt. You feel your hand reach out and smash through the visions, banishing them back to the darkest corners of your mind. The next sight is a little more realized, though you still can't identify the people standing around you. They move with uniform precision, marching rank and file under a waving flag which you don't recognize. The flag is red with a black crest, some strange shape like a six-spoked wheel. Foreign aircraft fly by overhead, their twin ion engines making the flag flop, and a horrible sound as though the starfighters themselves are screaming. You see the marching figures with more clarity now. They wear white plastoid armor, but it is not Republic armor, a more modern shape with two air supply hoses in front. They march by you in uncountable numbers, blasters in hand. And then you feel your body pulled to join them. You fight as hard as you can, but your body is not under your control. Your legs carry you into a gap in their ranks, and you effortlessly fall in step. Try as you might, you cannot move your body and resist the urge to follow orders and stay in line. As one of the faceless hordes, you march down a seemingly endless road toward a massive castle, upon which a black-robed figure stands, red lightsaber in hand, cackling. You notice that the path you are on leads into the castle, through a gateway shaped like a rancor's toothy maw, where the marching soldiers fall into an inferno. The troopers walk in willingly, die for the black-robed figure, and are consumed for its gain. You watch in horror as a dozen ranks of these troopers fall into the Imperial machine and manage to look away for a moment. You now notice that the troopers beside you wear yet another version of the strange white plastic armor, a more sleek, streamlined helmet. The waving banners in the distance have changed again. The crest is a 16-rayed symbol within a hexagon. You look back towards your destination and realize it is your turn to fall into the waiting inferno. Your body topples forward into the heat and again, you feel nothing. There's a brief oblivion and you fill yourself back in an empty void. Empty, that is, except for one other thing. What is it? It's hmm. Hmm. I understand. Hmm. Okay. Because would you have known? Well, we, well let's, let's play this out. This mm -hmm. is good. Yeah. This is good. Okay. 
So this figure that you see, the, describe what they're wearing. Well, it would be Mandalorian armor. The Force Vision, again, since you're not a Force user, is it's gone back to that state that it was in originally where things are kind of vague. Mm-hmm. So you can't quite see everything in as perfect detail as you just saw the vision of the troopers. But you do recognize the shape of a Mandalorian helmet. Your vision's kind of black and white and staticky, but you do see the telltale signs of a figure in Mandalorian armor. How well do you know this person? So Admiral would be somewhat familiar, may have seen this figure, not often, but often enough to know who it was. Maybe overseeing, kind of above the rank and file. Maybe something that Admiral had aspired to be like. So yeah, this person would have come and gone, would have been just like you, but also would have had the freedom to come and go and wasn't subjected to the same rigorous routine that you went through. Mm -hmm. The same sort of... I don't don't want to say your training was abusive or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like that extreme, but it was hard. It was strenuous and it it molded you into what you are. Mm -hmm. But this person didn't have the same experience. They were like you, but they were different. They used to look down on you from their high tower. Mm-hmm. Along with the model of what you at the time wanted to be so badly. You remember seeing this person looking down on you um, while sitting beside the person that you wanted the most to interact with. The most to be like. The thing mm-hmm. that you were trying so hard to become. And again, this figure's wearing Mandalorian armor. And you haven't seen them wear this armor before, but you know instinctively who was behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's not the other person. You know who it is. And <laughs> neither one of you is exactly the most talkative type. Who do you think would speak first? The figure would speak first. 0802. So you've turned out to be a failure after all. Excuse me, sir? The figure behind the helmet laughs. Sir. Like you've ever called anyone sir before in your life, you disloyal dog. I don't know what you mean, sir. I'm loyal to you and the army. And the more you say sir, the more <laughs> the more this figure's like malice just emanates off. And his hand goes to his goes to the blaster on his hip. He would follow suit. What's going on, sir? <laughs> <You're awesome. laughs> and this time like the instant you say sir, the thumb pops the button off the holster. Disloyal dog. It's not a gunfight. <laughs> this is like <clears throat> <laughs> So how would your character react right now? Based on, based on his current self, he would draw his blaster and fire. Mm-hmm. It's but kind that... of battling back and forth that he's going back to the disciplined soldier that he was. It's been some time since you saw this person. Mm-hmm. You've gone through a lot since then. And I think you realize now that you're not acting the way that you would act now. You were back in that past self's voice. Mm-hmm. You were back in the mindset of the person that you hated being, the person that you have thrown away, the identity mm-hmm. that you have discarded and made anew. He would, but, shake, he would shake off his old self with a bit of loathing because that was someone who he hated being. And not really knowing what's going on, seeing this figure attempt to draw a blaster, well, he will draw his blaster and fire. I'm not going back. But this, <clears throat> we're going to have ourselves a shootout, the whole Western style. We shot first. Well, I do have the quick draw ability. So he is going to have uh, two green and two yellow. Me too. Okay, so that's that's awesome. All right, so you're, we are both rolling uh, two green and two yellow, and whoever gets the most successes, well, like we'll do this by like initiative rules mm-hmm. essentially. Whoever has the highest number of successes wins. If we have a tie, the advantage will break. All right. All right. So, Admiral, roll yours. That's six successes and an advantage. Awesome. And our mystery mystery shooter. Three successes and two advantage. So you actually outdraw this figure. Describe to me how that how that went down. Admiral would have quickly drawn his blaster and shot this figure in the chest, and he would have collapsed down in front of him, and I guess his helmet would have 
kind of come off in the fall. Admiral would kind of stoop down and pick up the helmet and kind of stare at it face to face almost and feel a sense of longing, I guess. Not really paying much attention to the body in front of him, but more, like I said, longing towards the, the, the helmet and I don't know, a sense of kind of feeling a little more whole by looking at this, this helmet. Hmm. Do you put the helmet on? Yes. Okay. You slip this helmet on over your over your eyes, and it takes a second for it to power back on again. And you see through the T-shaped visor, and the face lying on the body in front of you looks very familiar. It is your own face. And then your vision fades to black. Bum, bum, bum! You come back to your senses and know you are truly physically awake. Indeed, you see your companions wreathed in the glow of the bioluminescent moss. The massive crystal pulses softly for a moment and you can hear it humming. All of you can. Just for a moment. And then it falls silent and no longer lights up in your presence. Lahela and Rokti, you both feel something warm in your hand and realize you've been clasping something ever since you woke up. When you unfurl your fingers and look down, you are holding pieces of this crystalline moss. Um, and it's in a perfect shape to fit a lightsaber handle. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you which kind of crystal you have Yay. for future reference. Rock T, uh, you have an unstable Kyber crystal. Ooh. And Lahela, you have a Christophsis crystal. <gasps> Mine would be unstable. Yeah. It's because you you're unstable. Uh, it, for for now, it's just neutral. Like it looks like a piece of the crystal mm -hmm. from the big pyramid thing. Yeah, it's, it's that same gray color. Yes, I hum to it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but when you build your lightsaber, you'll channel yourself into the stone, and it'll take on its color. Then there's different game rules for those two crystals. Mm -hmm. I'll send you what they do, cool. but um, it won't be relevant until you actually build your lightsaber. Mm -hmm. um, Admiral, you feel a certain clarity that you haven't felt before. You can't quantify or describe what you're feeling, but there's a sort of a warm afterglow in your mind, which makes your fingertips tingle as well. So yeah, you're awake in the cave, and you two have clearly passed the Force's trial and obtained your lightsaber crystals. Admiral, you have some baggage to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> well, you all have baggage to unpack, let's be honest. Um, yeah. I'm gonna look to Lahela and just be like, I told you there was humming. Lahela <laughs> <laughs> will reach out to Rokti because during their trials, I think they kind of like separated a little bit probably. Mm -hmm. And um, she'll reach to you and, and grab your arm, look you in the eye and be like, we did it Rokti. I think we've made our master proud. Yeah. She'll then turn and look to Admiral, for forgetting for a second that he was there as she like, looks around the room, remembering that he actually didn't leave, and she'll look at me like, what did you do the whole time? I, I blacked out. What, what in the hell happened? Well, this is, this is some kind of cave that's very, very Force-sensitive that our Master sent us to, to try to pass our final trials to become Jedi. Full-fledged Jedi, not just Padawan anymore. I wonder if the Force overcame you and you just blacked out. You didn't see anything? I... I saw some things. So she'll kind of like look at you skeptically and, and be a little bit confused because it's, you know, as far as her learning has gone, it's rare that unless you're force sensitive, you actually get force visions. But then again, this is a very force sensitive cave. So she's kind of on the fence on how to feel. We'll bring you back to Master Temer and Ka and, and she'll she'll help you figure out what's going on. Rokti has shuffled over to you and grabs your hands. I knew you could hear the humming too. <laughs> 
Don't be afraid. You'll understand more later. Admiral would still be kind of foggy and not really know what's going on and just kind of be shaking his head trying to disorient himself and not really know what she's doing. Lahaila will rise and kind of like brush off her robes. Um, All right, we need to go back to Master Ka and, and, and let her know what's happened. You as well, Admiral. She's, she'll be quite interested in what happened with you. Okay. You might have to drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so that I'm assuming we'll all head out of the cave. And we're going to actually pan across the galaxy. Ooh, oh, panning! Why are you doing this to us? Across the galaxy, a black-robed figure approaches the Jedi Temple with a host of clone soldiers on his heels. It is not an unusual sight in itself. This man is a hero of the Jedi Order, who has commanded clone troopers for three years, but never before has he descended upon the temple with such purpose, such malice. He glowers behind his black hood as he activates the blue blade of his lightsaber. Temple Guard's surprise is palpable, even behind their featureless masks, as General Anakin Skywalker, hero of the Republic, turns his blade against them. Unbeknownst to his victims, he is no longer Anakin, but Vader. Darth Vader, newly christened Lord of the Sith and apprentice to Darth Sidious. He cuts the guards down in cold blood, and then anyone else who opposes him, as the clones open fire as well. For the love of the two lives most precious to him, he begins the slaughter of uncountable others. As he enters the temple, the Padawan turns to flee from Vader's approach. He throws his lightsaber in their direction, cleaving them effortlessly. The saber begins to arc back to his hand, but catches the top right corner of a banner as it does so. The fabric catches flame from the glancing blow. Emblazoned upon it is the symbol of the Jedi Order, which turns to ash as Darth Vader begins his systematic purge. information on the show visit the quarter portion podcast on social media please check out our patreon to help support the show and access bonus content and until next time may the force be with you this has been a production of the quarter portion podcast network do you have a vision for a cosplay prop novelty item or other project but don't know how to make it without breaking the bank nerdful things has you covered Ontario's 3D printing experts are committed to quality and affordability. They can forge everything from convention-friendly prop weapons to masks and helmets to small embellishments like belt buckles or pauldrons. You might even find a unique nerdy gift for friends. Check out their gallery and request a quote at www.nerdfulthings3d.com.